Hello, I'm Derek Wheatley and welcome to episode 68 of the Weekly Weekly Podcast. A massive thanks to Joe Daly for last week's episode. For the chat about um, how he got to be a magician and all the way I'm with it and meeting like <laughs> meeting the Paul Daniels when he was young. I called him Phil Daniels last week, not the same guy. Um, but even showing us some tricks that he did um, on our YouTube channel. If you, if you haven't seen that yet, pop over there. You may have listed it on... Um, on Spotify, you will just hear me reacting. It's not quite the same thing, but yeah, he showed us three or four really, really great tricks. And let, there's one at, at the end of the episode in particular that really left me scratching my head. I have no idea how he did it, and uh, yeah, maybe you can figure it out. I don't know, but uh, he's re- he was great fun and really appreciate him coming on. Um, subscribe to the YouTube channel as always, like we always say, and we might have some life stuff coming up like we have been, uh, you know, before last week, but it's kind of slowing down because people are getting back out and it's great and people are getting to go to shops and to gyms and all those things. So it's harder to get guests for the live stuff and that's understandable. Um, I'm going to get into this week's episode. I'm going to introduce my guest today. He is the goalkeeper for Tyrone. Uh, he plays outfield for Eden Dorcas Club and his name is Niall Morgan. How are you doing, Niall? Not too bad. Don't be expecting any uh, magic tricks from me. <laughs> <I'm> very disappointed. <laughs> I was just going to ask. I was just going to ask. No, it's... it's um. It's very strange, Niall, right? Just just talking about the, the magic trick thing. Um, we were talking about because he he's actually, uh, he does children's shows and he's on RT Junior and things like that. But how, you know, he, children will allow it to be magic, but, but you know, adults want to figure it out. You know, they really want to. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. And all week since I spoke to him, that's all I've been doing is trying to figure out what he was at when he was on. But he, he really was brilliant. But um, yeah, t- listen, thank you very much for coming on, Niall. I really appreciate it. Um, before I actually ask the first question, I suppose I'll start with this because I was just speaking to you before um, we pressed record. What, why did the, where did the split come from between being a goalkeeper for your county and then, a, you know, an outfield player for your club? I think, uh, well, I always done outfield for the club from I was a young age. I was always up about the club. And uh, then I started playing soccer whenever I was seven or eight. And I was, I was good at it in, in terms of I was athletic enough and I could play football. But uh, the, the goalkeeper for my team quit whenever he was... Uh, when we were under 11 I think it was so under 10s the lad from Kalishal done that and uh, then the next year he had left so I was the the worst soccer player that was good at Gaelic <laughs> so it was <laughs> so it was a case of right now you can catch and you can kick so you're going into goals so I don't expect you to save many shots but if you can come for a few crosses and kick the ball up the pitch as far as you can that would be great and what's, then what's it just your... sort of evolved was there a reluctancy to, on your part, or was it like because you were voted out? Basically, you were you went into goal. Oh, I hated it. And <laughs> to be honest, I'm still not a, a big fan of it. That's why I, I don't do it for the club. Uh, we uh, so basically, then I done goals in soccer, and I tried my best to get. Out. I even dropped an age group because I was playing a year above myself, and I even dropped an age group to try and get outfield. And I played a few games up front for them and I actually scored a couple of goals and then they still managed to put me back in that. (laughs) Destiny. Yeah, so, and then it basically started through the club or through school football then where I would, if I wasn't going to start outfield on the year above me, I would offer my services as a goalkeeper just to get on the team. And then I started doing the same for the club then whenever I was maybe, uh, say, just out under 14s that had done goals for the minors, just, just to get on the table, I just mm. wanted to play. I hated sitting on the bench. I still hate sitting on the bench. 
So it was it was anything just to get me on a team. And then I suppose it came about with Throne that I was actually playing outfield at a club game and a championship game and Ergil Kieran were playing the game after. And at that stage, I was first choice keeper for Gannon Swift. And Mickey Hart came to me after my match and asked would I be interested in coming up and joining the Throne team as a goalkeeper. I was thinking, I actually turned him away a couple of times and said, no, look, I'm happy playing soccer and, you know, I'll, I'll maybe consider county football and in a few years' time at that stage, I was still a student and not that I was getting paid much, but it was enough to pay my, my rent at the university and maybe uh, take me out a couple of nights out. And um, then uh, after maybe three or four conversations, he, he had he persuaded me to join and it's since then I've, I've just been playing that was it was August 2012 when he asked me to join him by December he had, he had my mind changed and I played my last my last game for the Gen Swifts and in around the 2nd or 3rd of January on a Saturday and played my first game for Throne the very next day against Lampton wow. in the McKenna Cup so I mean quick turn, it, or against Derry sorry in the McKenna Cup it was a quick turnaround what a great story did the reluctant goalkeeper who, who rises to basically to, to one of the top counties in Ireland, you know, as a goalkeeper. Um, I think that's great. Um, now, could you give us a, a short history of your bringing? I know you gave us a little bit there of the Gaelic side of it. Yeah, well, uh, my dad is a massive Eden Darkman and uh, I think he, he, he maybe wasn't always an Eden Darkman, but he's, he's the sort of person that whenever he, he devotes time to something, he really is, he's all in. He doesn't do things by half measure and he would always been around the club. I think he, he nearly single-handedly started the youth training at the club whenever he was younger, uh, just to get young lads up playing, I suppose. And it, it was on a Sunday morning and the club still do the Sunday mornings. It's a tradition with us where, where we train on a Sunday morning, all the youth teams on the pitch at one time from under, well, now it's under sixes, so under six, eights, tens and twelves. And uh, so I would have been up at the pitch from, like he would have took me up whenever I was in the, the, the carry bike or the carry basket and, and set me on the steps of a doubt and coached the teams and and then from once I was able to walk I was out in the pitch by myself and knocking about with a ball and then it progressed that he was part of the management team of the senior teams and I would have went up and kicked the balls back out to the seniors and it just I was just always around the football pitch. I, I live about three miles say from, from Eden Dark pitch and in the summer there was there's an old an old bathtub that, that sat uh, beside our pitch, I think nearly every club had one back in the day. Was an old, an old bath or something sitting, and I used to actually hide my footballs underneath it. And uh, I would have cycled back and forth to the club nearly every day and practiced, and wow. and just I just loved being being at the pitch. And I suppose that's where the the free kick side of things came. You know the amount of time I spent at the pitch whenever I was younger. You know I I don't think I'm an expert in any way, shape, or form, but I think the practice that I put in whenever I was younger probably got me to where I am today. That's that's brilliant. Um uh I, I had the question down, I suppose it's kind of answered now, but like the idea of coming from a from a GAA family. Yeah, it's big big time I think it's it's massive like and I think I think probably more so whenever I was younger in, in the north it, it was important to be from a GAA family because I suppose like I was born in ninety one and that would have been sort of in around the time of the troubles and uh, so like GA was was a massive community and it still is but now it's it's not even as important to come from a GA uh, actual family you're just mm. everybody's invited in and it's so inclusive but uh, like I can't really remember apart from you know maybe being stopped you know for the car to be checked or whatever I can't remember any like real hassle being caused thankfully I, I was probably too young for that but like the 
just being from a GA family is just it's given me so many opportunities from just basic playing for Eden Dark, my um, club to we play, we were amalgamated whenever I was younger, so we joined McKilly Man, which is another team in the parish, so we got to know them boys playing primary school football, secondary school football, university football, representing Tyrone, representing Ulster, and representing Ireland. You know, it's it's something that you know there's there's a in, in every walk of life in terms of them teams there's there's memories that that nobody can take away from you and like whenever I suppose whenever I'm going through the 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 times where you, you doubt yourself you, I always say you know I played for Ireland and, and that's one thing that nobody can ever take away from me whether they doubt me or not or yeah. you know whether I win an All-Ireland or win an All-Star you know I've played from a country and that's that's the highest accolade that I, I could ever imagine. Uh, it, it's actually it's really encouraging to hear that because um you know, like with the whole Ireland versus Australia thing, um, if people do, who, who are listening to this don't know that Ireland's, it's kind of a, the rules are a mixture of the, of both Aussie rules and then of, of obviously uh, Gaelic football. Um, it's great to hear that it meant that much for you to play because I think some people who don't play maybe are just dismissive of, uh, of it being just kind of, um, what would you kind of call it? I suppose when you have something like the All-Ireland there every year, and it's in your face, and it's such a big tournament. People are, can be quite dismissive of things, other things that happen. For, but for you to hear you talking about how important it was to play for Ireland, I think that's actually a, a great thing. Yeah, I, I can remember our club used to take buses down to the international routes whenever it was in Croke Park, and I I was just in awe of the spectacle that it was because I suppose the way I play is a little bit different, and that was a game that was a little bit different. It wasn't mm. just you know. A, a Gaelic game and it was harder hitting and there was different skills involved and it, I was just engrossed in it. Not that I, I don't profess to know anything about uh, Aussie rules or, you know, or about the teams or about the players that you were playing against and like there was other lads that knew nearly everybody they were going to be playing and they were just in awe of them nearly but mm. like I just loved getting to see like and I suppose it was taken even more seriously back then like it was really the best players in Ireland playing together mm. And you know, I, I can still remember in, in the Carton House the, the night before the 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 test in, in Croke Park in twenty I think it was fifteen the the home test that we won and Philly McMahon uh, from Dublin saying you know tomorrow uh, we're, we're not we're not representing the counties we're we're, we're all one we're wearing mm-hmm. green and whenever we go to battle we're all going to battle together like and it actually it made the hairs in the back of my neck stand up that. You know, you realise that you're in a room full of people that you look up to, and mm. every and every day, like, and you know, you're you're sitting, and Philly was there, and James McCarthy was there, and Dermot Connolly was there, and you're like, they were they were the, they're the players that I'm in awe of, like, you know, yeah. they what you want about the Aussie Rules players, but it's it's the players in the in the GA that I I looked up to the most, and and getting to play alongside them was unbelievable. Yeah, it was like I, I did like looking at the panels, like it was just like a who's who of of football over here, and that that was. Brilliant, you know. Um, so now, wh- when did we always ask this question? When did you first become aware of mental health? I think as a term, mental health, probably not until, you know, probably later on in secondary school mm. and like 17 or 18. But like I was always an emotional footballer in terms of, like, as I said earlier, I hated being on the bench. I hated losing. I hated being taken off. I hated when things didn't go my way. I was so temperamental when I was younger. And I suppose, like looking back now, like that's all part of of the mental side of the game. And uh, like 
if if I lost a, an under ten blitz, I would have been distraught the whole day. Like my, you know, if if I lost a match in training on a Sunday morning, I can remember so clearly the last day, the last Sunday morning training, whenever I was maybe under ten, and my team were losing, and my dad was refereeing. <laughs> He's give a free kick against me, and I, I turned around and told him to f off. And he just he, he just grabbed me by the jersey, he walked me up to the car, opened the back door, put me in, closed the door, locked the car. And, and like that was the day that they got the, the packet of cheese and onion, the Mars bar and the Tim of Coke. And I was just and he just said, You're not getting it. Yeah. And I was that that was just I was distraught. Like, but you know, it taught me a real valuable lesson. Like, you know, yeah. not only to respect referees, which they they laugh at me even contemplating that I respect them, but uh, especially moan dad like it was it was such a the wrong thing to do. And you know, if I seen a child doing it now, I would be absolutely disgusted. Like, um, but it was it was a valuable lesson. Uh, and I suppose that was the mental side for me that I I was you know very temperamental. And and I suppose even right through even like I look I look back to my debut for Throne in 2013 and how like. I just completely uh, fell apart mentally, and where where I'm at now in comparison to that is is, is so far so far apart. But uh, yeah, I would say I would say later on in secondary school mm-hmm. was never I th- started really thinking of you know what mental health was about and how how to keep my emotions in check and and how important it was to you know look out for other players and how they were feeling and and not to not to judge someone for for a performance or whatever and you know really really thinking about thinking about feelings I suppose yeah that and look understandably that comes with age as well you know and whether it's something that we kind of seek out to learn more about or whether it comes kind of like organically naturally through through um the people around us and you know seeing people who are having difficulties with uh, with mental health and I'll, I'll we'll touch on it a bit again uh, uh, later in uh, in our chat um, I I spoke to you just before we came on. Um, my grandfather will be listening to this. He he's a he's a massive massive GA fan. I remember from when I was very very young, and he brought us to Crow Park actually when I was I think it was about six or seven. But he um he'd watch anything. He'd like any GA is on, and he's always disappointed when it's when it's gone. You know when this during the off season, and yeah, he just he he was uh he was anti. Soccer, right? he was really, really anti-soccer for for a while, right? And then he realised that myself and my my two brothers were, were quite into it, and I wasn't so much on into the GA football at the time or or hurling. Um, and there was a moment when I was about fifteen or sixteen where we kind of crossed over. So he started to appreciate a little bit of soccer, like you know, I was an Arsenal fan. He started to see, he he liked the way they played football then at the time, and I started watching GA football and 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 uh, hurling as well. And that was something that I took from him. And I, I look on it now as something that like my, my dad will watch it as well. He's, um, he's a, he's a Westmead fan. We're from Westmead. My family's from Westmead. My mom is from Cork. So she's, she, she's a Cork fan. And my grandfather will be Cork as well. But Westmead is, 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 uh, you know, we haven't won anything since 2004. It was a great day when we won the Leinster <laughs> that time. It was, it was really, it was really brilliant. Um, but, you know, when, when I, when I, uh, I wanted to get you on, Niall, um, I thought it was very important to kind of talk to someone who's at, at the, you know, at the top table when it comes to counties, like, you know, um, and 
I wanted to know about how, when you made your debut, and clearly you're someone who's been in GAA since he was, you know, like you were telling us, since he was in the, you know, the carry cot. Um, how big of a day was that? Did, does everything kind of, did everything register? Did it go by in a blur? What was it like for you? Uh, uh, we we got to the league final that year. Uh, I'd played every game in the league and we played Dublin in the league final and that actually got man in the match. And I remember thinking, this this game's quite easy, you know. This is <laughs> this is so like there's thirty there was thirty six thousand I think it was at the league final and uh, I remember the whole lead up to the end of the championship was Pascal McCollum telling me, you know, you're never going to feel anything like you're going to feel in Bally Buffet in this first game. And I was going, Pascal, you know, you can only fit eighteen thousand in the Bally Buffet, and we had thirty six thousand mm. in Crook Park. You know how how is this going to be? You know how am I going to feel any different? And I suppose just the naivety of it, I was thinking like this this man's, you know, he's trying to make a big deal out of this whenever he shouldn't be. Yeah. And we got to Bally Buffet and, you know, there, there was sort of rumours building up uh, going into the game. I was obviously going to be hitting the free kicks and then, you know, the week leading up that there was, you know, Bally Buffet having cut or Donegal having cut between the two 45s. They've left the grass really long intentionally so that I couldn't hit the ball off the ground. <laughs> There was absolutely nothing of it, but you know, slowly but surely, this started to you know sit into my head, and I was thinking, "Geez, have they have they done this? Have they done this?" You know, and you're walking out onto the pitch before the game, and nearly, you know, checking the length of the grass, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, even though you can't do it. Like it's not like I could have went to the referee and said, "Look, this grass is longer. Is there any chance you can get a, a more out and cut it?" Uh, so that sort of thing started sitting into my head, and then the first free kick, I remember uh, jogging up as normal, but the noise. Well, it, it it felt like you know you know the welcome to hell thing that Galatasaray done. Yeah, it it genuinely felt like the the pitch had got smaller, the crowd were all nearly. It felt like they were circling me the whole way up the pitch, and they the and I missed, and the roar that went up, you would have thought Donny Gall had got a goal, mm. and I was like, Gee, like what's the big deal? like I've missed free kicks before, like like yeah. what's the big deal here? Like so then the the next one. Uh, we got the free next free kick and the noise started again. And this time, you know, they were really at me because they thought that what they'd done had worked. And I scored the next free kick. And I remember going back towards my net and I put my hands in my ears oh. as if, you know, where, where are you now? And just the, oh, I, 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 I might as well have burned a Donegal jersey in my gold mouth because for the re- I had another free, four free kicks that day. I missed all four. And the noise just got louder and louder every time. And, you know, a bit like being put in the car at under 10 train. It was a very <laughs> valuable, valuable lesson. Uh, it was, uh, 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 I, I'm not big for thinking about regrets. Mm. I'm more a uh, learn from your mistakes sort of person, but that's a massive, massive regret for me that day, just in general of, you know, not taking it as serious as I should have, not listening to the advice of somebody who had been there before mm. and, and knew what was coming and then reacting the way I did because, like, mentally, I'm so different now compared to them but I'm still judged off that you know teams still think that you know uh, he he uh, bites at every opportunity and he's a uh, you know he's easy to get at and if you shout at him or if you do whatever you can get at him like it it doesn't face me anymore like I I as I say I've missed four five free kicks that day and I've had other games where I've missed more than that and you know and that that's that's just the way and I've had games that, that I haven't missed any and I've learned that, you know, that's just the way of it. And especially where I'm hitting the free kicks from, you know, like they're they're further out and, you know, there's 
it's it's not a high percentage score. Yeah. So I've had had to learn that as well. But just it, it was just the it was a game that I didn't prepare for in, in the right way, and I learned I learned a very hard lesson. And you know, uh, but it has stuck with me for right up to now. Thank thankfully. Yeah, but exactly. As long as you're learning from it, that's what's important. Yeah. I, I I think you caught quite a striking, you know, figure on the pitch because you you're tall and you you have your chest out. You know, you're standing proud. There's there's confidence in it, and and sometimes you wear like colorful boots, which which is which is funny because in, if, if if it was soccer, like nobody would bat an eyelid. But the fact that it's you know football, it's people are like you know think it's it's kind of you know. Uh, as if you want to stand out, whatever, rather than you just liking the actual boots. But yeah. a goalkeeper striding forward like yourself, um, and you know, obviously Stephen Cluxton's another example. Um, maybe you know it's the run up, like because you have to come all the way from your goal, and it's like, oh, here he comes now. But talk to me then a bit about about goalkeepers and about how it has, you know, it's a position that has evolved more than any other in football. Um, and you have to do so much more than, like you were saying in, earlier on about just catching the ball and kicking it. There's so much more to it now. Yeah, well, again, like if I think back to whenever I did start doing goals, like it literally was just set it down and, you know, who's our tallest player and where's he standing? I'm just going to drop it on top of him all day. And I don't care if the other team's winning it. He's our tallest player and he's getting the ball. <laughs> yeah. um, but it wasn't like whenever I played fifth year, so I was 16 playing on the, the McCrory Cup team in the school. We won the McCrory and the Hogan in 2008. And now McKenna was midfield. He, he done midfield for Trump Miners that year as well, that won the, the All-Ireland. And Nile was unbelievable in the air, but he far preferred kicking a low kick towards the wing for him to run onto. Uh, so we spent hours and hours on the Donnick Moore, on his Cubs back pitch, practicing this kick out where I would just zip it nice and low for him to run on to chest height. Uh, and like, this was like, we would have been out there, the lights were on and it was just the two of us. And like, if, if people had a drove pass or not drove pass call down, they'd have been saying, why have we got the lights on for an Eden Dark man to practice his kickouts? Yeah. Um, but like, that, that I suppose was, was me recognising that at, even at that age, that just driving the ball out long wasn't always going to be the, the best option. And then, obviously, at that stage, Cluxton was starting to really completely changed the way a goalkeeping was going to be viewed. Um, so, it, like, obviously, I didn't come up with it. It was it was more he, he was doing it and we were copying. Mm. Um, and just since then, I suppose, since, since he he and Dublin revolutionised the kick-out of it being a possession restart, as they talk about, uh, just the game has just constantly evolved. And then, obviously, I'm playing a bit more off my line now, nearly as a sweeper, and... Rory Began comes out of his net and Graham Brody comes out of his net and you know a lot we're, we're far more comfortable now with the ball for a start we don't yeah. wear boots that come around our ankles so we can run uh, we, we don't have steel toe cap boots so we, we, we're, we're comfortable solo in the ball you know and like all them things add up like you, like you look at the goalkeepers in the 90s and they're wearing as I say boots that are laced up around their ankles some yeah. of them had, had steel toe caps in them and all it was was setting the ball down <laughs> and just stand it as far up the pitch as you could. And as long as it was far enough away that they couldn't kick it over the bar in one swipe, then yeah. that, was, that was a good kick out. And, you know, it's, it's moved on. And it's, and it's great that it's moved on because it's it's only positive for younger lads that now want to do goals because they're they're a massive part of the team. Well, for yourself as well, Niall. I mean, it's just... Um... 
the idea, because obviously you play outfield for your club, you know, to play in goals for Tyrone then is is a much more appealing thing. It's more it's more interesting for you too to 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 be. Uh, I think it's more enjoyable to watch you play or or Stephen uh, Cluxton play. I don't, you know, hitting it long and into the into the midfield and then seeing a bit of a battle was fun. I even I remember that when I was like fourteen or fifteen. That's what they were doing. But it, I think it's so much better now that it's being played the way it is. Oh, definitely because it, like at the end of the day, like Gaelic football, if you have the ball, the other team can't score. Like it's 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 a simple logic, you know. So I can I can never understand why. Now I'm not saying that I'll never hit a long kick out again or I'll never kick that fifty fifty again. Like because it has to be done sometimes during games to get the ball out and and let boys battle for it. But if there's a short kick out on, I can't understand why people you know don't encourage it. Like if if there's a man got a free kick in the corner back position and there's a man standing free thirteen meters away and the, the kicker drove the ball up the sideline to, to a contest, everybody would be shouting at him. Yes. You know, but for some reason, whenever whenever goalkeepers do this, it's almost as if oh, they're ruining the game, yeah. these goalkeepers. And then they've started to change the rules to try to nearly take us out of the game. The, you know, they're, uh, we, we were getting pa- the pass back from the kick-out, mm. and now we can't get a pass back. It has to go to somebody else first. And like I'm just waiting for them to turn around and say we're not allowed out past the 20-metre the line or the 13-metre yeah. line next, because... It, it genuinely is, and you know it, it's it's going to put off the younger lads from, from wanting to play because they want to get involved. And you know, at the end of the day, if if, if lads are enjoying it and it's changing the spectacle and it's mm. it's making it more appealing, then then I can't understand what's what's wrong with uh, what the way it's being done. Absolutely, I agree. Um, you mentioned Mickey, Mickey Hart. Uh, what was it like? Uh, you know, heading into that setup, um, because obviously up. Up where you are, Mickey Mickey Hart is is a is an icon of the of the game, really. Yeah, well, like I said, I was born in ninety one, so I can't really remember the ninety five final. But in 03 I was obviously there. O five was there. O eight was there. And like you know, this was it was just surreal. Like I I probably didn't appreciate it. Whenever they won it in two thousand and three, I was just turned twelve. But like to turn around and my dad's standing crying beside me, and I'm going, "Well, what's what's he crying for?" Sort of thing. Like you know, it's yeah. only a game of football. But it's it's not until you get older that you realise how uh, how big of an achievement it was for Tron to win in 03 mm. and get over the line. Because you know, it's the the first one's always the hardest. Mm. You know, and the, the they showed that by in, in 05 coming back to win it, in 08 going back to win it, uh, 08 it was uh, 17, it was in the hill for it. You know, with a group group of friends, and you know, bombarding the pitch. You know, <laughs> it was, uh, you know, a, a surreal feeling. And then to be to be asked into into the squad and in uh, said in August 2012, and at that stage, Darren McCurry from the club had just been put into the team. Uh, he played the qualifier that year against Kerry. Was called up just the week or two before, it and actually started the game. Uh, and like to be called up. And know that you were going to get an opportunity was probably the biggest part, mm. um, because like at that stage, Mickey would have kind of been renowned for, you know, keeping is is you would have had to nearly do your apprenticeship before you, yeah. you would have got a game, uh, and like our, our conversations whenever I, I was whenever he was looking at me to join were, uh, you know, you're going to play, you know, you're you're going to get opportunities to play, and then it's up to you. Which which probably made it a lot easier for me, but 
like it wasn't even just Mickey. You were going into the dressing room with Stevie O'Neill, Connor Gormley. Like they're they're the two that stick out really in your mind. Like Stevie was an absolutely unbelievable footballer. Was, yeah. Connor had done the block, you know, and and like that there will uh, in 03 and that there will go down in history mm. in tone. Like uh, Sean Cabno was obviously there. Colin was there. Like you were going in with, as I said earlier, the the boys that you idolised. Yeah. You know, these these were the lads that had got thrown over the line. And now you were in a dressing room beside them, and and they were giving you advice. Pascal and John Devine were both there as goalkeepers, you know. So it it wasn't just Mickey; it was it was the whole setup. It mm. was just surreal to be saying, "I'm a Throne senior. I, I play yeah. for Throne senior." And at that stage, you probably thought this is going to last forever. And now this is my ninth year being involved, and you're and I'm starting to look at the other side, thinking, "Well, I've definitely played more games than I have left." Yeah, you know, have we got one year, two years, three years left? I don't know because the commitment's so much. But it's just, you know, it's it's a massive honour and a massive privilege to be there. And uh, as I've I've said on a number of cases, I owe Mickey a lot of gratitude for um, giving me that opportunity to, especially whenever I was playing outfield for the club, mm. to give the opportunity then to go and be the goalkeeper. And you know, for that I'm forever grateful. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, I was thinking about this this morning, Niall. I was out for a run and I was thinking about, you know, the competitive side of, of, of the Ulster, uh, you know. Well, no, I wasn't really. I was thinking about the, the competition amongst the four provinces. I would say Ulster's probably the most competitive with, you know, an, a few teams close enough in quality. I don't know if you'd agree with that, but I, when I was looking at the other ones, I was kind of picking out a couple of teams here and there, like Leinster's kind of doesn't count at the moment, but you know, here and there, but Ulster seems to be the, the most competitive of, of the provinces. Yeah. I, I just think we hate each other that much. That it's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever you take the field, like it's there, there is like a hatred towards the other team. And that, that's just being honest. It's not a hit. Like I don't hate Michael Murphy. Mm. You know, I, I actually get on quite well with them and, and players from all the other counties, you know, you get on really well with them. I went to school with some of the Armagh players. I played soccer with some of the Armagh players. All right. You know, you've been to uh, the international rules, as I said, with, with a number of them. You went to university with the Antrim boys, the Down boys. But the minute you step onto the pitch in the Ulster Championship game, and it's going to be the same this year in the league, with it being the, the split to yeah. the north and the south sort of side of things. You know, there's just that... Uh, uh, hatred's maybe, maybe strong, but the rivalry... Mm. You know that that there is an Ulster. I don't think it's it's equaled anywhere else. Maybe Cork and Kerry to an extent, but I don't think you get it in any other counties. That it's really you know, it's it's a real pride thing. Like and then I suppose again having that you know this the six county thing, uh, you probably have a bit of a chip in your shoulder thinking mm. that you know you're you're looked down on and you know you probably are because whenever you go to play teams from the south the 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 abuse you get, I suppose, you know, you would nearly think that we 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 personally signed the the, the treaty to the 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 Queen like, you know, it's it's surreal at times the, the things that people would say. You get like you know sledging in, in the sport and there is a bit of it, you know. What are your uh, thoughts on that? Is do you find if someone is, you know, having a go at you on the field, you know, one of your uh, op- the opposition players, does it get in your head? It, it's hard to say because, like, I'm not going to sit here and say, "Oh, sledging's a disgrace and it's, and it's a, a plague in the game." Because I'm from Tyrone and people would just laugh at me. <laughs> <laughs> but 
like I always say, like as long as it doesn't get personal, mm. you know, there's there's things you can say, and people are having a bad game, and you can, you know, tell them it was a great pass that they had, even though they had it to their own team, or yeah. you know, that was, that was a good effort, even though you've dropped it short, or you know, just probably like I would, I would be more sarcastic uh, than anything else. Mm. Uh, I don't actually say much unless somebody says something to me first, but and if somebody says something to me first, then it's game on. Yeah. Um, whatever way they want to work it, then I'm more than happy to to go with them. Um. But it's look. It's, as I say, as long as it doesn't get personal, mm. it doesn't do any harm. Uh. You know. And the main thing is at the end of the game that you can shake hands and say, yeah. you know, whatever happens happens in the white between the white lines. And if it's nothing too personal, then you know you'll always be able to shake hands. And exactly. I've, yeah. I I have never had anything from another player. Uh, that I've ever felt, you know, that was so out of line that, mm. you know, I'm disgusted. I, and I can genuinely say that. Uh, I've had plenty of people saying stuff to me. Yeah. And plenty of people shouting stuff to me. Uh, but I've had worse things said from the crowd than, I, than I've ever had from another player. So, you know, and I think players have that genuine respect for each other to not cross the line. You know? Yeah, like there was that the story my dad tells me about Potty O'Shea, who's obviously a legend in, in these uh, parts um because of the the victory in in you know in the Leinster for Westmead but down in uh when he was playing against Dublin and back in you know wherever it was the 70s and that and they used to say to him you know that oh the smell of cow shit off you that kind of stuff and he turned around he said when the ref turned his back he gave him an awful kick up the arse <laughs> well again that's not like personal personal you know yeah. and, but I, and I know what you're saying it's like they're they're I like the bit of sarcasm as well. You know, that kind of thing of like, he plays a bad pass and you say, oh, great pass and that kind of stuff. It's a bit of harmless, like, you know, trying yeah. to get inside the head, but yeah, not not to get too far on it because it just it kind of, you know. But you've got a big, uh, you're, the league is starting up on, on Sunday. We're, we're Saturday. We, we Saturday. start out Saturday at five against Donegal. So it's a huge start for us, you know, it's <laughs> baptism of fire uh, for, for the new management team. So it'll it'll be good to, to get going again, I think everybody's been been crying out for it and waiting mm. waiting for it. So uh, it was it was a short running. We've only had what four weeks to train and get prepared. We we obviously had our individual plans right over lockdown, um, but it's it's uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be good to get back out and whether you win or lose, you know, it's it's just going to be good to get back out and playing. I think it's it, well, it's another great thing about it for the people and the supporters of whether it's you know Tyrone or Donegal supporters or whoever it might be, whatever games are on the TV, they're going to get more viewers because people have been missing it for for that long, and I think it'll probably um, draw more people in who may not have been into GAA before, you know, because of the fact that we've kind of been deprived of sport here, you know, I know not counting the Premier League things like that, but I I I mean. When you see the fixture, Tyrone uh, Donegal as the first fixture, I was like, "Geez, that's going to be a bit of crack." Um, <laughs> come here. So, like, at the GAA. So, talking as a, as a team unit, I suppose, and in, in the dressing room, if a player was to, you know, have some head, mental health issues, do you feel that it's a, you know, it's it would be a welcoming place for for somebody to to come in and and uh, you know be, you know, feel comfortable talking to people about it. Uh, it's a tough one to say because mm. it, it probably depends on the person for a start and the I'm trying to think the right way to put this I, I would have absolutely no issue talking to anybody about anything you know I'm very open but there, there's also lads that maybe are only new into the squad 
yeah. uh, maybe feel a wee bit more pressure that and maybe see it as a weakness. Um, but as somebody said, uh, you know, everybody's got mental health. Some's just better than others. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's it's something that uh, I have uh, I've struggled with it myself in the past. I've worked with a man called Fran from the GPA. I was put in touch with uh, to give me techniques to to help me uh, deal with with my own struggles. Uh, and I'm not afraid to say that. Uh, and I've said that to many many of the younger lads. I've said it to you know I'm a teacher. I've said it to pupils in my class. You know, and the sort of look at you as if. Jeez, he, yeah. you know, I'm working with. I'm, I'm teaching ten year olds, and they're sort of looking at me, going, "He's talked to a psychologist. He must be mental." Yeah, you know? yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, you know, because, because there is that sort of stigma with it. Uh, you know, and and there really shouldn't be because you know, like Fran was absolutely unbelievable. He gave me the the simplest tips that I've passed on to so many different people. Mm. You know, and uh, it helped me so much. And I think, you know, nobody should be afraid to talk out, but. You know, it's it's probably finding somebody that you know will take it serious. Yeah. Because sometimes you're talking to somebody and they say, "Ah, you'd be all right." Yeah. You know, but you know, sometimes you, you're you're not all right, and and you do need a, a proper conversation and a proper, you know, I need something to help me get through this, or you know, a proper strategy to put in place. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's probably important to seek out the right person, and I would hope mm. that anybody in on the throne team would feel that. That I I'm I'm a person that will, would be approachable enough to do that, but it's, as I say, I think it depends on the individual and, and yes. themselves. Well, I think Niall, the fact that you've come on here, which is primarily a mental health podcast, and obviously we we love talking about all the other stuff as well, but to kind of drop in, uh, you know, pieces here and there of other people's experiences and the guests' experiences, the fact that you've come on here and you know some of your teammates will see this and some of the younger ones, like which is all it it like undoubtedly it is harder for the younger people to come out and talk about it obviously you're very comfortable with it now and you'll, you'll talk about it that you've been to see a psychologist and things like that and i'm the same you know everybody knows my story from this podcast but i do think it's important the fact that they'll find even if it's just that one person like yourself that they can go to sit down and say look i'm having a, a really tough time at the moment and and go from there and just have an open conversation and like you say you've been through those uh tough times and you've talked to someone and you can kind of give something something back and say this is what i was told or whatever so that that's hugely important um has the like have you noticed that the, the gaa has has there been any initiative have you heard about anything that the gaa has been kind of working on with regards to mental health or is it still kind of in, in its infancy in in that sense uh, well uh, as part of the gpa they do a lot of work on it, you know, to the extent where some people nearly would think the GPA is just for people with, you know, difficulties nearly, you know, yeah. that, but the, the work that they do is, is tremendous. And, you know, I literally sent, you know, a tax message to one of the, I'm our GPA rep. So I suppose I've got a yeah. uh, straight, straight direct to, to the, the rep for the Ulster teams. And within that day, I had a, an email from from Fran, who was was looking to get in, in touch and, and get a phone call set up with me, mm. you know. And it was it was just mad how quick it all happened. And within you know that off, by the time I'd get home, I I'd sent a message in the morning, and by the time I'd get home from school, Fran was phoning me. Wow. You know that's that's how quick you know. And you know Fran will still every now and again like we we had we had only maybe four, five, six phone calls where he give me the strategies and put things in place. And, but, and that, you know, was made me comfortable. Mm. But, you know, it might take 
12, 15 for somebody else. It might take one for somebody else. Yeah. Uh, and you know, Fran will still text every now and again. Hi, Nal. Just I'm, I'm just dropping a text. Wow. I'm thinking about you, and you're just like see even that. It's just the minute he sends that text, it just sends that we thought through ahead. Don't forget how how lucky you are, I suppose, yeah. to to have everything that you have right now. Uh, like at that stage, I I was married. I had no kids. I've now got two kids, um, and you know things have moved on so quick for me and. Uh, but like it's the there are stra- there are things in place. It's just uh, you know for the the players themselves to be willing to go and you know yeah. a- ask for the help because you know it's it's so easy for people to mask things now. You know it's you know yeah. it's so, social media especially gives you a great opportunity to to put up you know all these great things that you have in your life whenever things mightn't be going so well. Yeah. Um, and you know every, everybody's everybody's guilty as charged with that one you know you're having a bad day so what do you do you put up a picture of your your last holiday or you know <laughs> yeah. or, or you're you're out for out for a few beers with the lads or something like you know every everybody does it um but i suppose it's, it's just being comfortable to open up to somebody and say look i, I need help and you know is, is there any chance we can meet up or we can have a chat i think that's uh very you know that's so reassuring that, that there is the self there for for the players because it's one thing uh you know me having a bad day but say and i i can kind of say right i'm going to sit home and try and do all the things that make me feel better but for for a you know an intercounty player who has to play a big game at the weekend would we'll say and this is on a thursday the pressures of that is just piling down on top of the kind of struggles that they're going through already so for, to have someone who's going to ring them back like like uh, Fran did for you on the same day, I mean, that's great because, look, I've talked about, I'm not going to go on about it every episode. Well, I haven't got some episodes I have, but <laughs> the idea of waiting for, for some people, and it, it really is, you know, five or six months sometimes before they can get to talk to someone. And th- by then, it's either too late or it's, you know, you feel a bit better and you think, well, I don't need to talk to you now. And you're not in the system yet. And then it happens again a month or two down the line. And it's really, and I'm not blaming anybody, uh, you know, within the system. Just the system itself is not good. So uh, for, for the players to have that kind of, you know, um, you know, service there, it's 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 brilliant, you know. Um, there was a question here I forgot to ask. And it's just because you mentioned Crow Park and obviously had been there for the Tyrone, uh, the big wins. Um, what was it like? playing there or what is it like playing there considering you've someone who's stood or sat in the stands um what's it like going out there in front of like all those people i was there for i'll just i was there for a u2 concert and i was standing in the middle of the pitch and i was like this is ridiculous like how does how do people play in this like (laughs) what is it like to be out there playing uh, so I'll tell you, I have a funny story first about the, the first time I ever was in Cook Park was the 98 final. Mm. So uh, Galway Kildare. And so I was, what, seven years of age, but I had no ticket. So at that stage, dad had assumed that, you know, you're you're that, you're, you can just sit in my knee, you're, you'd be yeah. grand. Like. So we went to the turnstile and I went to walk in and the, the hand came out like to like at this stage, it wasn't scanning the tickets. It was the, the, the yeah. hand, <laughs> it was tanned over and ripped the stub. And the hand literally came out and like, you know, the wee face was poked down and, you know, have you a ticket? And I said, no, my, my dad's got a ticket there. And I went to walk on and they're like, you can't come in without a ticket. And I was like, I turned, so I turned around and uh, I said, that, uh, they won't let me in without a ticket. So daddy was going, he's only seven years of age. He could sit in my knee, look at all the size of him. 
so like I was, I, I would have been not really tall, but I was really skinny whenever I was younger. And uh, so it wouldn't have been causing any hassle really to, yeah. to be seen with that. And uh, at that stage, about three or four of the even dark seniors at that time came walking along, but one of them had a real long leather coat. It was probably cool back in the day, but like, <laughs> no, like almost out of the matrix, like down yeah. to the knee. So uh, dad said, take off your coat, hold it in front of you, and now crawl through crawl through the oh, turnstile on, under your legs. So that's how I got into the all iron fence. So he 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 held his coat out like you know in front of him. Yeah. I was on as between his legs crawling. You know, oh, I, I say he looked funny like walking with the two legs parted, hands over his ticket. I crawled through, and whenever I got to the other side, as Dad was coming through the turnstile, and I was going, "I get in, I get in," and he's going. Shh. <laughs> so so I, I and luckily Dad had a we we're in the upper upper Hogan, and Dad had a seat at the in the front row of the upper Hogan on the. Yeah. You know, the, an aisle seat. Mm. I let, I just sat in the steps ah, nice. you know, and, yeah. and looked over, looked over the thing, and it was just, I was in, uh, as I said earlier, just in awe of this, you know, packed out Croke Park, and the steward kept coming down every now and again, saying, "Look, just sit in his, sit in your dad's knee there for a minute," because oh, obviously, yeah. obviously his a. Uh, Whoever was over the top of him was coming yeah. around to check, you know, was everybody sitting and stuff. And then whenever he would go, then I would sit back out in the aisle and it was it was great. But I suppose, yeah, getting back to the, the real side of things, in my first year we played Dublin and Crook Park in the league and there was maybe 18,000 and you were sort of going, this this is class playing in Crook Park, but, you know, it's it's you don't really notice 18,000. Like, it wasn't even been the, the lower part. It wasn't even nearly full. And then we played... Uh, the league final and there was maybe 36,000 and still looked empty and uh, then during the international rules we actually had in-house games in it so it was completely empty and that was just a surreal experience I suppose what the boys would have got last year in the All-Ireland final but it was actually I actually loved it because it was just you could hear the echo of everything you could hear everybody's voice but then the All-Ireland semi-finals and finals Mm -hmm. the, the final was just it was it was crazy running out and it being nearly a capacity and just uh, I suppose, like maybe not so much for we got beat, but whenever you hear the the roar and the cheers and of of the teams, whenever you score, or whenever Dublin scored, especially, just it was deafening, and it was it was just it was it was just magic. It's it's a magical feeling run running out on the Croke Park, uh, and and just seeing a crowd uh, sort of the whole way around you. And uh, one of the things that I, I always do now is after the team photograph no matter where I'm playing I'll just walk the whole way to my nets and just oh, look really? around and just see you know just take it in I suppose because you don't know when it's going to be your last game mm. and uh, just uh, enjoy it and be, like you know people would say don't look at the crowd whatever you do you know it, it'll only put you off but I, I love looking at the crowd and taking it in and just sort of saying like you know this this is this is mental like what yeah. what why what have I done to sort of deserve to to, to be in the in the middle of all this, it's it's incredible. Like there must be some pride playing for your club. Like uh, considered how like your upbringing around the you know the, the club and the ground, it must be pretty amazing playing it because everybody talks about you know whether you play for Tyrone, Dublin, Galway, whatever it is. You don't hear about the the, the club so much. Um, you know, I suppose for non kind of avid supporters would say it must be pretty amazing pulling on that jersey every time. Oh, it's you know you know you probably don't appreciate it whenever you're younger. I'm, I've started mm. playing for the senior team whenever I was 16. It was actually the day after we won the Hogan. I played my first game for the club, 
as a, as a corner forward. I'd done goals on the Saturday and, and corner forward on the Sunday again. And like at that stage, it was just like, you know, I was always going to play Freedom Dark Seniors like, and you don't really appreciate it. And then in 2015, we won the Intermediate, which was the first time in, in 25 years uh, that, that the club had won it, you know, the, the Intermediate Championship. Uh, we've never been to a senior final. The, the furthest we got was a semi-final. We got there in 01 and we, we got there again in 2018. And we, we were just beat by a point. I actually got black carded with 10 minutes to go. Uh, and it was it was an absolutely ridiculous decision. And even, even the other team, uh, they, they were calling for a yellow card and the referee gave a black. Oh. Uh, and it was it was oh, I, I, we were we were fuming and we got relegated in 2019 and then won the intermediate league and championship again last year. Um, but the the as, yeah, no, I know you're talking about being proud of being wearing the club jersey, but probably the proudest moment was we actually played Kerry last year in Eden Dark. Oh, really? With, with Throne and like wow. you know, there was three of us started, three Eden Dark lads started. There was myself who had obviously I'd grown up around the pitch, Darren McCurry whose home house was literally across the road. Uh, so he was always wow. the pitch. And Con Kilpatrick, who uh, uh, it's Con's uncle, who the pitch is named after. Wow. Uh, you know, so it was just, that was a real magical experience. It was a horrible day, you know, weather-wise, but it was just amazing. To, and and we, we beat Kerry in Eden Dark, and it was just, you know, having, having you know, a full-strength, well, near practically full-strength Kerry team playing uh, Throne in a game that actually mattered in Eden Dark. Yeah. Was just, was class, but every every time I wear the dark jersey now, it's 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 with pride, and I appreciate it so much. And as I said, you never know when it's your last game, so it's just about enjoying it and and giving it the ultimate respect. Yeah, I I, I read a piece, um, an interview with you, and you were talking about the idea of not quite knowing when you were gonna you were gonna finish up, but the the fact that so much. Uh, you know, goes into it. Um, you know the the training and whether it's travel or whatever it is. Um, just how much does go into it? Because I, you know, you're you're obviously training for both teams. Um, how much of your time is taken up by? Well, it's not, with the split season that's coming in, and even though over the last couple of years we've had managers at the club that really understand. Yeah. That, uh, uh, I'm just going to put my phone in the charger here before it dies. <laughs> The, 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 with managers at the club that really understand the the importance of uh, you know having downtime, mm. uh, so the the more or less said us look whenever we have games we want to see you here, but if we don't have games, you know we don't expect you to to train with both teams, which you know is it's a massive statement from them. So like we wouldn't be expected really to be about the club at all really until you know the games are about to start, which is now after the county season. Um, but like there was a stage there where you would have been in the gym on a Monday night with Throne. You'd have been on the pitch on Monday night or on Tuesday night with Throne. On a Wednesday night, you were back in the gym with Throne. On Thursday night, you were on the pitch with Throne. Friday night, pitch with Eden Dark. Saturday, you would have either had you know a recovery day or a match, and then Sunday would have been a recovery day or a match. And even you might have played for Throne on a Saturday night and Eden Dark in a friendly on a Sunday. You know, oh, yeah. you know, depending. But it was just. Like at one stage, it was just constant. I I could not uh, do that physically wise now. Never mind mentally. Uh, uh, since lockdown, it's been great. It's been you know you train on Tuesday, you train on Thursday, and you have your match or train at once at the weekend. Uh, you do your gym stuff by yourself or or locally, which is fantastic. We um and it's and it's a lot less time. You know, I, I do a bit of coaching on a, on a Monday night, 
with a, a, a few different clubs, uh, goalkeeping coaching. I'm on a Friday, right. I, coach, I coach my Eden Dark under-13s uh, on, a, on a Friday. And then oh. Wednesday, Wednesday night's my night off hey, uh, to, to spend with, with my wife and kids. This podcast, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I will. It's, it's grand. Uh, but like my wife's probably like, oh, fair play to you. Give us one night of the week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then like I, I try to get out and play golf as much as I can as well. So it's... Hey, but that, I suppose that's the joys of being a teacher too. I've got July and August to to, to make yeah. up for lost time on the golf course. Well, yeah, and the thing about it, like people don't know, Niall, you've you've yourself and your wife have recently had a, a new arrival as well. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, Maisie was born on the thirtieth of March, and Christy was born last January on the fifth of January. <laughs> so we have two kids under. Uh, Sixteen months, so so that's all. <laughs> that's all adding to the, to the whole thing, but. I, I really, we, I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah, uh, they're bundles of joy now. At four o'clock on on a uh, Sunday night or Monday night, I might have been saying something different. But uh, whenever he was up looking the party, but uh, it's it's all good crack. And you know, you really do uh, appreciate life and see that it's just a bundle of joy. And I suppose that's why I question so much of why how long I'll play mm. because I don't want to miss them growing up completely yeah you know i want to be want to be there for that i don't want them to be saying oh daddy i have a match today and me saying oh well actually i have to go to mayo and stay overnight because we'll play mayo tomorrow or, or yeah. whatever you know it's you, you don't want to miss out on them things no of course not and, um your son has some serious dress sense um i don't <laughs> i don't know who's dressing him whether it's yourself or your wife but bloody hell he's got a great sense of style <laughs> It's def- I, I try to get as many football jerseys on him as possible. <laughs> we've got him in a. We've got him in. Eden, he's got the Eden Dark jersey. He's got the Throne jersey. He has. A, I played for the Ulster Club in San Francisco in 2014. Right. So we got him. We got him it. We got him a St Mary's jersey for the university, and then he's a, he's a signed Cork jersey. My sister lives in Cork, so he, she got the Cork hurlers through Owen Cadigan to sign a jersey for him. Maybe his christened, and then my wife's from Cookstown, so of course he had to get a Cookstown top too. So. But you know, we, we try to try to get him as sporty as possible. But then yeah. on, on, on the weekends, he, he he has to has to dress nice. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> all he's missing now, Niall, is the is the Irish uh, international yeah, uh, yeah. shirt. We'll maybe, we'll maybe get him one of them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, Niall, it's been it's been really uh, great, Chandy, and we really appreciate you coming on. No problem. Thanks very much for having me. No, you're welcome. Um, listen, could you just stick around for one minute? And I know you want to get out, but um, I just finished this out and I'll get a quick photo just of the screen and I'll let you no, off. 100%. Yep, no thanks bother. Thanks Okay, thanks very much to John, of course, for all his tech stuff. I was annoying this morning about something, even though he had it all covered, but I don't know anything, so that's what happened there. Um, <laughs> thanks to my mom, my dad, my grandfather, who we gave a shout-out to already, to Jer for the for the, the graphics and Calvin for the music. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you would, like I said already, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, The Weekly Weekly, uh, Spotify, Apple Anchor, Google Podcasts um, is where all uh, you can find it. And... Um, for everyone listening today thank you very much um and we'll be back obviously next week like we say in the title the clue is there and now like i said thanks a million no problem thanks again okay everyone take care see you next week bye